Hello, and welcome to Between the Stacks, a podcast created and produced by the Odell Public Library. I'm Emily Lenore. And I'm Victoria Horn. On this episode of Between the Stacks, our New Year's resolutions for popular fictional characters, plus our segments V's Versus, Terminal Velocity Valentine, and as always, Ask a Librarian. But first, some announcements. The Odell Public Library friends have begun raising funds to replace the library's 26-year-old carpeting. Our well-loved carpet has started to show its age and wrinkling in certain areas has become a tripping hazard, so it is time for a change. The estimated cost is about $80,000, which includes materials and installation, labor for removal of old flooring and flooring preparation, and moving the books and shelving. Donors' names will be added to a temporary book-themed display at Odell. Supporters may donate through the GoFundMe link in the description of this episode or drop off or mail gifts to Odell Public Library at 307 South Madison Street, Morrison, Illinois, 61270. For the latest on this campaign, visit the GoFundMe page or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. And we are thrilled to announce that we're nearly halfway to our goal. So thank you so much to all who have donated so far. We couldn't do it without our wonderful patrons and very generous community. Our small book sale continues, currently located in the computer section. All books are free or by donation. The selection changes periodically, so check back often for new titles. And virtual story time also continues. Catch Miss Katie every Thursday at 7 p.m. on Facebook Live for fun songs, stories, and rhymes. And we are still accepting short story submissions for writers of all ages with brackets for elementary school, junior high school, high school, and adults 18 and older. Submissions should be between 500 and 10,000 words. Winners from each age bracket will receive chamber bucks and have their story read on a future podcast episode, so submissions should be family-friendly. Email your short stories to ask.odell.library at gmail.com with a subject line, BTS Short Story Contest, before February 1st. And last but not least, we wanted to welcome our new staff members, May and Amy. May is our new high school student worker, and Amy is our newest library aide. So be sure to introduce yourself to them the next time you come in. So it's time for the part of the podcast where we reveal some new books we are getting in for this month. So, Victoria, you're in charge of the books around here. Would you please tell us what's new in January? Happily. So, in adult nonfiction, we have a collection of essays by Zora Neale Hurston called You Don't Know Us Negroes and Other Essays. And we have a book about Anne Frank. The Betrayal of Anne Frank, Cold Case Investigation by Rosemary Sullivan. In adult fiction, we have a couple categories. We have in historical fiction, Violetta by Isabel Allende, set in South America during the Spanish influenza and the Great Depression. We have The Last Dance of the Debutante by Julia Kelly, set in mid-century Britain and following three of the last dead debutantes to be presented to Queen Elizabeth II. And we have Her Hidden Genius by Marie Benedict, set during the race to discover the nature of DNA. And in Mysteries, we have The Maid by Nita Prose, The Magnolia Palace by Fiona Davis, The Last House on the Street by Diane Chamberlain, and The Easter Bonnet Murder by Leslie Meyer, which is Lucy Stone number 28. 
in thrillers and crimes, we have Greenwich Park by Catherine Faulkner, which I have seen on Goodreads is a very highly anticipated novel, so I'm mm-hmm. excited for that one. We have Something to Hide by Elizabeth George, which is Inspector Lindley, number 21. We have One Step Too Far by Lisa Gardner, Frankie Elkin, number 2. We have Robert B. Parker's Bye Bye Baby by Ace Atkins, which is Spencer, number 49. And we have Mermaid Confidential by Tim Dorsey, which is Serge A. Storm's number 25. And in dystopian novels, we have The School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan and To Paradise by Hanya Yanagihara. In easy fiction, we have Beautifully Me by Nabella Noor, which is so cute. I highly recommend that one. Katie and I gave it a little read the other day. And in junior fiction, we have the Percy Jackson graphic novels by Robert Venditti based on the books by Rick Riordan. We're getting all five of those. And then we're getting A Dangerous Path by Aaron Hunter, which is Warriors, The Prophecies Begin, number five, and a book that I recommended, and my favorite book from last year, one of them, The Deepest Breath by Megan Grian. If you'd like to place a hold on any of those, you can email or call us, or you can log into your Prairie Cat account. So this year, we are both participating in, for the very first time, Book Riot's annual Read Harder Challenge. There are 24 tasks, which average out about two per month, that challenge readers to explore settings, characters, formats, genres, and perspectives they might not otherwise have tried. You can find the list on bookriot.com or follow the link in the description of this episode. There is a PDF version you can digitally check off or print it out, and we also have copies available at the front desk. So each episode we'll be sharing two books that we are currently reading to complete the challenge. And Victoria, would you like to share the two books you have started with? Yeah. So the challenge that I'm currently working on is number 16 on the list to read a book recommended by a friend with different reading tastes. So I'm reading one that you recommended me called The Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendrix. It's it's a very it's so good. <laughs> I'm enjoying it immensely except for the part where I'm scared all oh, the time. Oh yeah. So. It is a little <laughs> bit it's based on the horror movie trope of the final girl. I can't read it in the dark, so <laughs> <laughs> kind of scary, but yeah. <laughs> it's I loved it a lot. I don't usually read horror novels either, so but I really liked it a lot. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have probably read it at all if it weren't for you so you're welcome thank you (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) maybe and then what are the what's the other challenge you're completing this month the next challenge i'll be completing as soon as i finish that book is to read the book that's been on your to be read list the longest and one of the books that's been on my list for a long time is the catcher in the rye by jd salinger most of my TBR list is just classics that I somehow have missed and haven't read. So, looking forward to that one. And what about you, M? What are you reading? Okay, so for me, I'm doing challenge number one first. I don't think I'm going to go in order, but this is just the one that I picked <laughs> first. And that is read a biography of an author you admire. And 
So I will be reading Cokie, A Life Well Lived by Stephen V. Roberts, which is about Cokie Roberts. She was a journalist and then also was an author. Um, she wrote about histor- she writes about historical topics. And then the second challenge I'm going to conquer this month is number five. Read an anthology featuring diverse voices. So for that book, I have chosen We Are the Babysitter's Club, essays and artwork from grown-up readers. Did you read the Babysitter's Club? I did. I <laughs> owned like a bunch of them. I had, think I, because my mom had the, had some of them. And then I like got some of them too. So like I had like maybe like 40 of them. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it's basically like a bunch of adults reflecting on why this book series meant so much to them yes and i think it's gonna be great i saw some names of the chapters and i thought oh boy this sounds great and if you are participating in the read harder challenge we'd love to hear what you're reading uh this month and as we continue along so if you have any recommendations that for us that we should read as part of the challenge please let us know please because I have not figured out all the books I'm reading. Neither yet, do I. I have too many it's ideas. It's an adventure as we go along. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's January. You know what that means. It's the new year. It's brand new. It's very fresh off the press. <laughs> and New Year's resolutions are a thing. People either love them or they hate them. I it seems <laughs> seems like you know, sometimes you don't quite get everything done you wanted to. So this year, we're going to help out our favorite fictional characters and just let them know what they should resolve to do this year. Yes. So, Victoria, would you like to share your first character? I would love to. So my first, one of the first characters that I immediately thought of when we were like, we should do resolutions for popular fictional characters is the classic novel Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. And who in that book do I want to change the most? Well, probably not Mrs. Bennet, but that's who I'm going to give a resolution to anyway, because there's no changing Wickham. There's no saving him, okay? Like, <laughs> I've never read this book, so I have no idea what's going on for the record. Pride and Prejudice is one of those classics that has become part of mainstream pop culture to the point that most people know at least a few quotes and who you're talking about. Mr. When you... Darcy. Yes, when you talk about Lizzie Bennet, Jane Bennet, Mr. Darcy, and Mr. Bingley. In the book... Mrs. Bennet is one of those classic Jane Austen characters who honestly just drives you crazy because she has her own agenda, she has her own set expectations that rarely align with the desires of others, and she pays little attention to anyone's feelings but her own. She's the main character Lizzie's mother, and she is obsessed with marrying off her daughters to the richest men in society and blabbing about it before it even happens. So to her credit, is she Is she lo- counting her chickens before they hatch? She is counting all of her chickens before they hatch. So to her credit, she does love her daughters a lot, and she wants the best for them that could be offered to a woman at that time, which usually meant marrying for money and not for love, because women's rights were pretty non-existent unless you were a lady of some status. But in any case, my resolution for Mrs. Bennet is to practice active listening and maybe ask some questions every now and then because she likes the sound of her own voice. 
<laughs> she could do with listening to others instead of filling the silence every single day. So let her husband get a word in advice. Let her children express themselves without trying to change them or tell them why they're wrong. And stop talking about her poor nurse. For a woman asking for compassion on her poor nurse every single second of every single day, she has little compassion for anyone else's. So Mrs. B has to work on that. Let me know if you agree, if you've read the book. <laughs> Sweet. Very good. What is your first resolution? So my first resolution is for... I was browsing my bookshelf and like, huh, who who needs help out there? <laughs> and I landed on The Great Gatsby and I was like, Nick, Nick Carraway, you need better friends. Oh. So Nick Carraway is a narrator of The Great Gatsby and moves to New York on the Long Island area and he moves in next to Jay Gatsby, obviously the great Gatsby. The great. And ends up, you know, kind of becoming his friend and joining his friend group, like Daisy, Jordan, Daisy's husband, Tom. And they're not a very good influence on him. No, they're not. Vehicular homicide Yeah, comes up. A lot of partying, probably some illegal activities. And I honestly, I think Nick is better than this. Because, you know, he just kind of, like, fell into it by accident. He didn't mean to. So I think for this, I think he needs to go out. So <laughs> moving also is a good resolution for him. I think he needs to go out and find some better friends who aren't as prone to illegal activities. Yes. And as prone to just making stupid decisions and are not, like... Pining after maybe a not married rich. woman. Yeah. yeah. I think I think the money is a, mm-hmm. it's a big part. I think he's got to go and, like, just, like, average people. I Your think average Joe, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, Nick Haraway, please find some better friends. Who's next on your self-improvement list? <laughs> the next person that I would like to send a self-help book to is Orpheus from the Greek myth Orpheus and Eurydice. So, the most well-known rendition of Orpheus and Eurydice is in Virgil's Georgics book four. There's also a beautiful retelling by the poet Rainer Maria Rilke in Sonnets to Orpheus and the amazing Broadway musical Hadestown. Highly recommend. But if you're unfamiliar with the myth, here's the 411 from Encyclopedia Britannica. Orpheus was an ancient Greek legendary hero with superhuman musical skills. His singing and playing were so beautiful that the animals and even the rocks and trees would move about him and dance. Orpheus joined the expedition of the Argonauts, saving them from the music of the sirens by playing his own more powerful music. And on his return, he married Eurydice, who was soon killed by a snake bite. Overcome with grief, Orpheus ventured to the underworld to attempt to bring Eurydice back to life. With his singing and playing, he charmed the ferryman Charon and the dog Cerberus, guardians of the river Styx. His music and grief so moved Hades, king of the underworld, that Orpheus was allowed to take Eurydice with him back to the world of life and light. Hades set one condition, however. Upon leaving the land of death, both Orpheus and Eurydice were forbidden to look back. The couple climbed up toward the opening of the land of the living, and as they were about to leave the underworld, Orpheus looked back at Eurydice. No! Yup, and at that moment, she disappeared. It's horrifying. <laughs> Dude, you were so close. You I know. So far. Exactly. 
And thus, shame. shame on him. My resolution for Orpheus is to is work. To calm down. Yes, is to calm down. <laughs> work on resisting the temptation for instant gratification. You know, strengthen your mind by engaging in activities that require patience and discipline. You should take up coloring. Ooh, yes. Let's buy him a coloring book. Yes. <laughs> take up a Greek, oil painting. A Greek or legends something. coloring book or something. <laughs> I'm sure that exists. Definitely. Or, you know, take up. Your, for someone who's into music, he really, you know, he doesn't practice, you know, yeah. enough. So. Yeah, practice your violin or whatever. Yeah. What does he play? The harp? He sings. He sings. Okay. He probably plays the Maybe lyre he can or learn an instrument as well. He could. Because that learn takes time too. There are many interpretations of Orpheus's actions. Uh, some say he turned back to share his joy with Eurydice. I'm not buying that. Some say they knew that they would fail regardless, and he just wanted one last look at the woman that he loved. And some say he gave to his own insecurities that told him that. Eurydice was no longer following him, and he turned back to check. In any case, I think his problem is instant gratification. If he had waited a moment longer, he would have had so much more satisfaction than just one last look at Eurydice. So I think that memory is one that should motivate him to work on strengthening his mind and his resolve to deny instant pleasures in order to achieve more lasting satisfaction, especially when his actions affect the fate of others. Poor Eurydice had to go back to Hades and be with him for eternity. So, gotta work on that, dude. So, for my next character, or characters, Romeo Montague and Juliet Capulet from, obviously, Romeo and Juliet. I did not read this by choice. I was forced to. Yes, as we all were. Anyway, very close to Orpheus and Eurydice. They each need better communication skills. Obviously, if you know the ending, they both die. Um, because Romeo thinks Juliet is dead, but she's just like in a coma or something. Yeah. And then he's like, well, uh, she's dead, so I can't live. So then he takes care of himself, and then Juliet wakes up, and she's like, Romeo's dead. Well, I'm gonna die, too. So, and they were so Stupid. close to, like, having having it all. They were. They are married. Yeah, they were married, and they were gonna leave, run off. Go somewhere. Go somewhere. To be together. And so, yeah, they arranged this thing with the friar to pretend Juliet was dead or something. Maybe the friar should have the resolution of not leaving them. <laughs> to be alone. Friar Lawrence was like really who was in charge but Friar John had to take the letter from Lawrence to Romeo Juliet's not actually dead and he mm. was like eh, I can wait. Yes. Okay. So maybe Friar John needs the resolution to stop procrastinating. Oh absolutely. People are dying. Yeah. Because <laughs> of your actions. People, everybody in that story needs to take some time to think about their choices and maybe resolve to, to do better. Learn how to um, communicate. Obviously, it's a Shakespeare play, so like there is chaos and like obviously it's a big I mean, old nothing misunderstanding. is nothing is gonna go correct. No, so <laughs> much like Jane Austen novels, there's always yeah, a big there's, misunderstanding. There's always like just some like wild, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so maybe we should resolve to just like stop reading those books. No, no I'm just kidding. That's a joke. 
definitely a joke <laughs> okay what is your third recommendation for a resolution okay this might be controversial not sure <laughs> it's this this book gets uh people heated sometimes it, like i would say the trilogy gets you <laughs> so my third book and characters that i would like to give a resolution to katniss aberdeen and peter <laughs> mullark <laughs> From The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. Oh, man. This was junior high. It was prime time junior high. If you haven't read this trilogy, where have you been? What have you been doing? And Honestly, you may have dodged the bullet, too. Yeah, you were obviously not um, a 13-year-old girl obsessed with dystopian YA novels when it came out in 2008. Okay, but also, it was it was so popular when I was in junior high because the movies were coming out. Yes. And so you wanted to read the book. You wanted to beat it. So yeah. like the copy at the school library was always checked out. I reread the books when the movies came out. <laughs> yeah, this book took to the junior high by storm. It was what Harry Potter did for elementary school. Yeah. And everyone was talking about telling their friends to read it. I was doing that. <laughs> and hosting endless debates about who Katniss should end up with, oh, Gail man, or Peter. I remember. This, this is like the twilight for a new era. Definitely. One of those classic love triangles. Yes. So when the final book came out and we got the answer finally to that particular debate, <laughs> hands were thrown. There are spoilers ahead, so stop listening now if you haven't read the books and you want to. So I'm... Okay. As far as I'm concerned, Suzanne Collins betrayed her own characters because after sacrificing everything to keep her sister alive for three novels katniss watches for him die in a wave of bombings orchestrated by gail so katniss just settles for Peta because he's you know the better option the one who didn't kill your sister like so this all happens in like the last 20 pages of the final novel and you've been waiting for three novels to see who she chooses and it basically ends with the author inventing an excuse so she doesn't have to choose who Katniss ends up with. So I would like Katniss and Peta to resolve to break up. Okay, but also, counter-argument. They okay. do have two children. They do? Oh, so they do. It, well, I want them to go back in time and not get married okay. in the first place. Well, I didn't say they're married. I just know they have two kids. Like, I wanted Katniss oh. to end up with Peta, but I didn't want her to just default to him because you know that was it and it, she doesn't even sound sincere in the end when she's like oh yeah i love Peta." when it's like you've spent three novels trying to convince yourself that you do you shouldn't have to work that hard you know uh, so like she could be single at the end of the novel and so could Peta, because he also deserves better and the thing that i love about katniss you know say what you will is that she's not afraid to strike out on her own and shake things up. So I don't think it would have been out of the ordinary for her to end up on her own. And it beats ending up with someone you're lukewarm about. So I think they deserve better after all the pain they went through. Yeah, that was a lot of a lot of death. A lot. <laughs> yes. I wonder what the character count is, how many, how many people died. Oh my. Anyway. I recommend moving. reading those books if you haven't yet. I don't know if I can recommend them or not. <laughs> I mean, they were good. I think I mean I just read them because of peer pressure and like because it was a thing to do. The first one is 
actually no, I the just, second one. I don't know. Favorite. I just really don't like how things went down. Like I didn't either. I hate the third one. Read the first two and then stop. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they're good books. They're in for a lot of pain and heartbreak. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> what is your third resolution? So, for my third character, I have chosen Charlie from The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Ooh. I've only seen the movie, but, like, it's a book, so... You don't I recommend the book. I I, you know, I should read that. This movie made me cry. I'm going to text like, you Oh, it's so good, though. It was... I level with Charlie so much. Charlie is a high schooler, and he is friends with seniors in high school who are like going to go up to college next year and basically he's like going to lose his friends and also he's had some some trauma as a child and big trauma so it's like coming of age thing the formative years the of formative his life. years of his life yes and in the synopsis here, it says he must learn to navigate those wild and poignant roller coaster days known as growing up. And I think that that's a very good sentence. I like that a lot. Yes. And for Charlie, I think my resolution for him would be to just kind of exist and maybe don't put a lot of pressure on himself mm-hmm. and take care of himself yeah i think i think charlie needs to take care of himself first of all charlie needs to focus on some of like what he needs and be nice to himself charlie deserves that so that's the end of our resolutions for our fictional characters let us know if you have resolutions for your favorite fictional characters (laughs) (laughs) yes we'd love to hear who would you change yes who (laughs) Who are you going to help improve this year? <laughs> okay. So, it's time for Terminal Velocity Valentine. Woohoo! So, my question for you this episode is, what is your New Year's resolution? Or, what is the resolution you've always wanted to try? Or what's a resolution you really think think you should do? Yes. So would you like to tell us your answers? So my resolutions this year are to read one more book than last year, which would be 33 books, and work out four times a week, and hopefully move out of my parents' house. As much as I love them, I think we're all... Yes, it's time. The time has come. come. Okay, so how is this going to work? Because this is supposed to be speed dating. So moving forward with the segment, I would like to incorporate a speed element. Okay. So I have 30 seconds to convince you to go on a date with this book. Okay. Or a second date, I guess. I have one nonfiction and three fiction books. I'll tell you the author and the book title first, and Mm -hmm. then you can start the clock. The first suitor we have for you is how to do nothing resisting the attention economy by jenny odell Mm. go okay so you said you wanted to read more this year so this book is about kind of eliminating distractions and focusing on like things for yourself Mm. you know resisting the attention economy like social media and phones and tablet screens (laughs) and kind of like 
Yeah, like, like just kind of like that. Just like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at this at all. Um, Actually, I, that does sound like something I need because I'm always looking at my phone. Yes. And not even doing anything on it. The next book I've chosen for you is called Suicide Notes by Michael Thomas Ford. Yeah, the clock. Okay. Okay, so this book is about 15-year-old Jeff. He wakes up in the hospital on New Year's Day. And obviously something has happened to him. And so he's like, I'm, I'm fine. The thing, the thing is wrong. So this book is about, the tagline is, sometimes you need to rewrite your life. It's about taking things into your own hands and kind of like resetting your narrative and I would say generally improving yourself. Yeah, I'll, I'll go on a date with that book. I actually was literally just looking at that book today. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I was we're looking telepathic up. or something. <laughs> Love it. Okay. The next book is called Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. Start the clock. So this book is also about self-discovery and finding yourself, which is, you know, the theme of New Year's resolutions, basically. And she's kind of just, like, living her life. But everything changes when she meets a dude. But it's not really like that. It's mm-hmm. like, well, it may, it might be. But it's more about friendship okay. and helping others and, you know, kind of, like, going on a journey mm-hmm. of, like, getting out of your comfort zone. I... We'll definitely be reading that book. I've heard I've of it been and meaning have meaning to, to read yes, it. Yes, for a while. And I think Oops. if it's long, kind of the New Year's self-change and growth. This is The Authenticity Project by Claire Pooley. So, artist Julian is upset because he thinks people aren't honest with each other. He's like, well, I'm going to do something about it. So he writes down a bunch of stuff in a green notebook and then leaves it in a public place. People start adding to it their own like personal secrets and entries and things and then it becomes like a like a like a thing. The authenticity um, project. Yes, the authenticity project. And <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? I just think that this like being more honest and finding your own self. All the books are the same, like finding yourself Mm -hmm. and being, trying to improve yourself. And that's kind of what the New Year's resolution thing is all about. So that sounds really good, actually. Out of all four of those books, that one excites me the most. Yes. I love that idea. I'm adding all of those to my list. Yes, add them all to your list. Okay, so... I started the year with four dates. (laughs) Yes, we're already (laughs) off to a great start. Yeah. (laughs) So our next segment is our favorite beloved poetry segment and our only poetry segment (laughs) of these verses. (laughs) Yes, it is the inaugural. The inaugural. uh, These verses of 2022. Oh, yes, the first one. Yeah. Yes, so, the new year. Sometimes you can feel a little cynical about it, but usually it's a time that's worked reflection on the past, momentum for your present, and hope for the future. And yes, it's easy to feel cynical when you've failed many New Year's resolutions like I have, but it's much harder to actively and intentionally choose to bet on yourself. 
and one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite books, Attachments by Rainbow Rowell, says this, I have faith in my own rising action, and I love thinking about that every new year. So for this first, these verses of 2022, I will recommend a few poems that inspire that kind of trust in yourself. And then I'll read you the poem that I wrote this January to sort of check in with myself as we begin this new year. So for recommendations, one of my absolutely favorite poems of all time, Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. It's so good. I highly recommend looking up her reading it. She does it so beautifully. And then we have Ode by Arthur O'Shaughnessy, which is the We Are the Music Makers and the Dreamers of Dreams poem. So good. And New Year's Day by Kim Adonisio. And To the Garbage Collectors in Bloomington, Indiana, the first pickup of the new year by Philip Appleman. That has got my attention. It's so good. Look it up. (laughs) All right. And then the poem that I wrote is actually the second poem that I've written in this format, and it's based on a poem by Rebecca Lindenberg. You can find that poem in her collection called Love and Index. So her poem is entitled Status Update. So this is Status Update by me. (laughs) Victoria Horn is drinking Chardonnay, is laughing to herself again is continuing the horrid habit of self-editing as she writes. Victoria Horn would like some pasta. Would like thicker skin. Would like to add you as the friend on the other end of her tin can telephone. Victoria Horn takes a whack at it. Takes things personally. Takes Amy's patience for granted. Victoria Horn feels things she doesn't say and says things she doesn't feel. Feels her heart knock, knock, knock against her sternum. Feels herself crouching behind the sofa, pretending she's not home. Victoria Horn will be in her room. We'll be down in a minute. We'll actually be down in as long as it takes to finish this chapter. Victoria Horn can't read more than one book at a time. Can't remember street names. Can't tell you how she got here. Victoria Horn would like to add you as a plus one to her current mental breakdown. Would like to add you as her worthy opponent. Would like to add you as the love of her next five minutes. Victoria Horn wishes she could talk about her favorite films. Rage is more. Is nobody's little weasel. Came alive when she met you. Victoria Horn hates horror films. Hates people talking when she's watching something. Hates that she's a big ol' hypocrite who yells at the TV. Victoria Horn wants you to wait. Wants you to listen. Wants you to be alone together with her. Victoria Horn is profoundly sorry. Is losing her patience. Is sick to death of being told to calm down. Victoria Horn does not calm down. Victoria Horn would like you to love every shade of her mood ring would like you to love every shade of yours. Victoria Horn is sending herself a strongly worded leather, is placing a hold on her future books, is dreaming in bold face, in blue hour, in best yet to come. I encourage you to give this style of poetry a go. It's so fun. Just observe your brain. 
So what would you put in a Facebook status update if you were being totally and unabashedly honest? Uh, like the Authenticity Project. So just let your mind wander and keep notes on the journey it takes. And if you feel like sharing, send your poem to us at ask.odell.library at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. It's time for our final segment. Our old reliable Ask Librarian. Woohoo! Our old faithful. Our, yes. <laughs> the geyser. The geyser. In Yellowstone National Park. <laughs> Ask Librarian. This month, what books are we looking forward to in 2022? So many. I was like going through like new releases. And I've, I've picked out like 15. Like I can't yeah, list them all here. I know. There's a ton. <laughs> Same. So, so many books. <laughs> Not enough time. Tell us some books that you are anxiously awaiting. Sure thing. <laughs> Yes, so I am excited to read, I think all of these are young adult books, which is usually where I live, but (laughs) (laughs) I have three books that I'm really looking forward to. First one, I Kissed Cheryl Wheeler by Casey McQuiston, who wrote Red, White, and Royal Blue, which was really popular last year. The Um, Prince of Wales. I haven't read that one yet, but I I want to. I have not. (laughs) I don't know if it's my kind of book, but I do appreciate that it exists. (laughs) Maybe when I need something light. And then Ophelia After All by Raquel Marie. And I'm really looking forward to The Comedian's Guide to Pride by Haley Thompson. So the synopsis from Goodreads says, The Comedian's Guide to Pride is a queer coming-of-age story with biting humor about a young lesbian striving to win a spot on SNL. Yeah. Taylor Parker isn't out yet, but she's keeping an even bigger secret. She entered a sketch contest where the grand prize is an internship at SNL. When Taylor applied to this opportunity for marginalized writers, she checked the LGBTQ box on the application without really thinking about it. But now that she's a finalist, she realized she'll need to be out to win, whether she's ready or not. In the month leading up to the competition results, Taylor befriends Charlotte Gray, whom Taylor's had a crush on for years. As they spend more time together, they realize they're genuinely falling for each other. And while Charlotte is willing to take it slow, Taylor doesn't want to ask her to keep their relationship secret forever. Taylor just hopes she can muster the courage to come out before all her secrets do. Sounds supremely interesting. Yeah. What are you looking forward to reading? So, for my books... The School for Good Mothers by Jessamyn Chan, which is coming to the library this month, yeah. so I will immediately grab it. <laughs> Emily's got dibs. Unless somebody beats me to it, and that's fine. <laughs> You're allowed to, but I'm very excited to read that. I read an excerpt on the publisher's website, and like, dude, it was so good. Next book is Notes on an Execution by Dania Kafka. I think this is an adult book. I think both of mine are adult books, so... I'll read you a little synopsis. Serial killer Ansel Packer is scheduled to die in 12 hours. He knows what he's done and he and now awaits execution. The same chilling fate he forced on those girls years ago. But Ansel doesn't want to die. He wants to be celebrated. Understood. He hoped it wouldn't end like this. Not for him. Through a kaleidoscope of women, a mother, a sister, a homicide detective, we learn the story of Ansel's life. As the clock ticks down, these three women sift through the choices that culminate in tragedy, exploring the reveling fissures 
that such destruction inevitably leaves in its wake. Talk about intense. Yes. I like crime. I don't like doing crime. I like <laughs> reading about crime. We don't do crime. We don't do crime here. Okay. This is another crime book. <laughs> this is when it's a young adult. It's called Daughter by Kate McLawlin. Scarlett's life is pretty average. Overly protective mom, great friends, cute boy she's interested in, and a father she's never known. Until she does. When the FBI shows up at Scarlett's door, she is shocked to learn her father's the infamous serial killer Jeffrey Robert Lake, and now he's dying and will only give the names and locations of his remaining victims to one person, the daughter he hasn't seen since she was a baby. Oh my gosh. Scarlett's mother has tried to protect her from Lake's horrifying legacy, but there's no way they can escape the media firestorm that erupts when they come out of hiding, or the people who blame Scarlett for her father's choices. When trying to do the right thing puts your life in danger, Scarlett is faced with a choice. Go back into hiding or make the world see her as more than a monster's daughter. Holy cow. Yes, that's a lot. That sounds good, though. If you have a question for Ask a Librarian, send us an email with the subject line between the stacks at ask.odell.library at gmail.com. And now, I just wanted to put a little message I here. Didn't. For Emily, who's since left the library uh, since our last podcast, but she's still doing the podcast. I'm just not employed here, yes. but the podcast is happening. She, but like, you won't see me here every day. Sadly, but she is starting college soon. Yes. I'm very so soon. Cool. What are you studying, Emily? I'm studying mass communication and media studies. Nice. So yes, even though Emily no longer works during the day here at the library i only i'm here at night yeah i'm I'm the dracula of the library (laughs) exactly so i'm excited to continue doing this podcast with you and very excited to see all of the wonderful things you're gonna do in college even though we're gonna all miss you a lot anyway that's it for this episode tune in february 21st for the next one and until then happy happy reading. reading Between the Stacks is written and hosted by Victoria Horn and Emily Lenore. Special thanks to the entire Odell Library staff, library board, and friends of Odell. Thank you to all of our wonderful patrons who support the library, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast.